0: I'm not afraid. Are you? The Watchman Speaks discusses biblical solutions to modern day dilemmas. I'll tell you the truth, even if it's not what you want to hear. I am the old Watchman, Ezekiel. I pray you listen. Welcome to the Watchman Speaks. I'm your host, Lonnie Richardson. Today I want to discuss whether or not when God spoke, did he actually mean all the things he said? Or was he just kidding? Was he pulling my leg? Thumping my drum? Was he having a bit of fun at my expense? No, I don't think so. And it's not that I'm implying God doesn't have a sense of humor, because I believe that he does. If you have difficulty believing God has a sense of humor, just look at me. Better yet, try listening to me. For years, I thought I was speaking clearly. However, when I began this podcast back in January and began editing the audio, I noticed a lot of lip-smacking, tongue-clicking, and difficulty in getting certain consonant patterns to come out plainly and clearly. I thought to myself, surely I don't sound like that. I blamed it on the Rode Procaster microphone being way too sensitive and worked on my microphone technique. However, I noticed only marginal improvement. About two weeks ago, my wife Cheryl told me that she had made an appointment for me to have my hearing checked. And my reply was, what if I don't want to go and have my hearing checked? And she replied with a stern, you're going to go and have your hearing checked. So like a good husband, I allowed her to win her one yearly argument and went to have my hearing checked. To say that I was astonished by the findings would be the understatement of my life. There were massive holes in frequency response in each ear, and the differences in balance of those frequencies between the left ear and right ear was substantial. Well, as of Wednesday of last week, I've been wearing hearing aids, and I can hear every instance that I smacked my lips, clicked my tongue, or bend consonant sounds attempting to utter certain consonant patterns. I apologize for the assault my speech has been on your ear. I'm working on correcting those elements of my speech. And now that I know they exist, I can dial in on editing the noise out of the podcast for your benefit. But I had to laugh at myself in regard to my vanity and pride for taking so long to experience the benefit that these hearing aids have produced i believe god had a good laugh too not in the fact that i was vain or prideful but in the fact that i'd always refused to buy hearing aids because of the costs involved all the while knowing that god provides for our needs to put it bluntly i'm a cheapskate which brings me full circle to the crux of this episode did god really mean all those things he said in the bible or was he just kidding the holy bible Is God's inspired infallible inerrant word and it is how God reveals himself to mankind if we can't agree on that then it's doubtful there's much we can agree on I know that there are some Bible scholars who don't agree with me on that issue or do they know they walk the halls of academia attempting to publish their thoughts and premises so others will marvel at how brilliant they are I have no such desires I'm interested in what God said. But stop and think about it. Did God really mean all those things that he said in the Bible? I believe that he did. I believe that when God spoke, he said what he meant and he meant what he said. Nowhere in the Bible have I ever read that God apologized for what he said or where he said, oops, maybe I shouldn't have said that in that way. And you may ask, well, I... What are some examples? Well, for instance, consider Ezekiel chapter 33. I am the old watchman, and I'm partial to old Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 33, verses 1 through 6 read, And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, speak to the sons of your people and say to them, If I bring a sword upon the land, and the people of the land take one man from among them and make him their watchman, And he sees the sword coming upon the land and blows on the trumpet and warns the people. Then he who hears the sound of the trumpet does not take warning, and a sword comes and takes him away. His blood will be on his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet, but did not take warning. His blood will be on himself. But had he taken the warning, he would have delivered his life. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet and people are not warned and the sword comes and takes the person from them, he is taken away in his iniquity. But his blood I will require from the watchman's hand. Now, did God really mean that when he spoke that to Ezekiel? I believe God said what he meant meant what he said. Down to the letter. God goes on to tell Ezekiel that Ezekiel is appointed a watchman over all of israel and that same terms applied to him but god is even more adamant that if ezekiel does not issue the warnings that god gives him ezekiel would lose his own soul there is more than just blood in the game yes i believe god meant what he said that's why i take this watchman thing so seriously John three sixteen states for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. I cannot tell you how much joy that brings me, it's not only for my benefit, but for yours as well. And Jesus said when he was questioned about what the greatest of commandments were Mark chapter twelve, verses twenty eight through thirty one. It reads, One of the scribes came and heard them arguing, and recognized that he had answered well, asked him, What commandment is the foremost of all? And Jesus answered, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. That means that I am to love as my Lord loved. That means, if I take Ezekiel chapter 33 to heart, that I love someone enough to warn them of their sin and tell them the truth in regard to their sin, whether they want to hear it or not. Jesus said a lot of things I suspect that a lot of people didn't want to hear, but he loved them enough to tell them the truth. And so it is for my love for others. I love them enough to warn them. And besides, if I take Ezekiel chapter 33 to heart, and I do, then I don't want the blood of others taken from my hand. Now that does not by any means make me popular, but I'm not out to win a popularity contest. I'm out to prove faithful to what God said. What are some other things that God said, and did he mean those things? Exodus. We see that God has brought Israel out of the land of Egypt. He's parted the Red Sea. He's destroyed the Egyptian armies. And Israel has wandered into a land where the water is bitter. God has shown Moses a tree. Moses cut a tree down, threw it in the water, and it became sweet. It is there God issued his first test for Israel. In Exodus chapter 15, verse 26, And he said, If you will give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord your God, and do what is right in his sight, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have put on the Egyptians, for I, the Lord, am your healer. Now that's a promise God made to Israel. If you'll notice, however, it is conditional. God has issued an if-then statement if you give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord your God, if you do what is right in his sight, if you will give ear to all his commandments, if you keep all his statutes, remember this is before the law, then he will not put any disease on you that he has put on the Egyptians, for he is God and he is the healer. Now forgive me if my account is off, for I never was good at even simple math, But there appears to be four criteria that Israel had to meet before God would keep that promise of healing. Did God mean that? Well, they didn't, and he did. I'd say that he was true to his word. Then, when Israel would not follow the instructions for gathering of the manna for each day's portion and the double portion of manna on the day before the Sabbath, God asked Moses in Exodus 16, verse 28, Then the Lord said to Moses, How long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my instructions? I would say that God is trying to impress upon Moses the fact that he, God, meant what he said. His instructions were not suggestions. You know, I've heard people praying, crying out to God. Lord, if you would just do this one thing for me, then I would be more than happy to do everything for you. That's a lie. Don't do that. How do I know? Because I used to do the same thing. It doesn't work that way. That's asking God to align himself with you and your agenda. God sets criteria for his agenda. Align yourself with that and things will work out a lot better. How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my instructions? That's what God said to Moses. Sounds like a reasonable question to me. You see, God has reached down and rescued me on more occasions than I care to recount when I'd hit rock bottom and all I could do was look up. And I'm not talking about paying for a boat or a motorcycle or something that I thought I just had to have. I'm talking about keeping my lights turned on. I'm talking about putting food on the table for my family. I'm talking about slamming death's door shut when I was knocking loud and hard. I'm thankful for his faithfulness. You better believe that I'm searching my Bible, attempting to know and understand his commandments and instructions. For I found that when I follow his instructions, then he is faithful to fulfill his promises. Okay what else well one that pretty much everyone is familiar with be 2nd Chronicles chapter 7 13 and 14 if I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or I command the locusts to devour the land or if I send pestilence among my people and my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn away from their wicked ways then I will hear from heaven will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Pretty straightforward, I'd say. First, got to be his people, and we are because we're grafted in. Second, we must humble ourselves. Third, we must pray. Fourth, we must seek his face, and fifth, turn from our wicked ways and repent. Then God will hear from heaven. He will forgive our sin and heal our land. Who's doing that? Very few. Yet those are the instructions. That's what God said. Something else God said in Joel. Joel chapter 1, God is unleashing great destruction upon the earth. And in Joel chapter 2 verse 1 we read, Blow a trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord is coming. Surely it is near. Now, if you read Joel chapter 1, you'll see the land is suffering with drought, famine, swarms of locusts. And just so you get a full understanding of the picture, that means the reality of starvation and the lack of food and water is a very real thing. It's not that food couldn't be purchased. It's that that there was no food to be purchased. Chapter 1 tells us the sound of the trumpet in Zion, sound an alarm on the holy mountain. Judgment is at hand. What is the trumpet sound for? What is the alarm on the trumpet? The trumpet sounding is a form of God speaking on His holy mountain. It represents the voice of God as God spoke to John in Revelation 1.10 and 4.1. The alarm was a cadence of nine short staccato blasts on the so far to warn people that some serious trouble was near. That alarm is known as a teruah or a great shout. Even in the direst circumstances that we found in Joel, all hope is not lost. God gives instructions and hope as we read further into the second chapter of Joel. Joel chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. Blow a trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. Proclaim a solemn assembly. Gather the people. Sanctify the congregation. Assemble the elders. Let the children and nursing infants Gather them. Let the bridegroom come out of his room and the bride come out of her bridal chamber. Let the priests, the Lord's ministers, weep between the porch and the altar. and Let them say, spare your people, O Lord, and do not make your inheritance a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they among the people say, where is their God? Well, herein we have a list of instructions. Blow the trumpet. Consecrate a fast, proclaim a solemn assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and nursing infants, let the groom come out, let the bride come out, let the ministers weep between the porch and the altar, and let them say, spare your people, O Lord. Just a question for you because I'm wondering, Who is doing that? I'll tell you. No one. But you'll see that if we follow the instruction, hope is renewed and restored. Verses 18 through 26. Then the Lord will be zealous for his land and will have pity on his people. The Lord will answer and say to his people, Behold, I am going to send you grain, new wine, and oil, and you will be satisfied in full with them, and I will never again make you a reproach among the nations. But I will remove the northern army far from you, and I will drive it into a parched and desolate land, and its vanguard into the eastern sea, and its rearguard into the western sea, and its stench will arise and foul smell will come up, for it has done great things. Do not fear, O land. Rejoice and be glad, for the Lord has done great things. Do not fear, beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness have turned green, for the tree has borne its fruit. The fig tree and the vine have yielded in full. So rejoice, O sons of Zion, and be glad in the Lord your God, for he has given you the early rain for your vindication and he has poured down for you the rain, the early and the latter rain as before. The threshing floors will be full of grain, and the vats will overflow with new wine and oil. Then I will make up to you for the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the creeping locust, the stripping locust, and the gnawing locust, my great army which I sent among you. You will have plenty to eat and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God, who has dealt wondrously for you. Then my people will never be put to shame. That's pretty big promises. Now, does that all sound as if it would be worth paying pay attention to what God said? I think so. But the church is not following instructions. And the world outside the church is certainly not doing so. So is there no hope for us in this messed up world and society that we live in? Well, that depends on us. Did God mean what he said? I'm inclined to think that it would be foolish to think otherwise. God said what he meant. He meant what he said. Let's look at it from a father figure perspective. If my daddy said, boy, don't do that. I knew that if I did what he told me not to do and he found out about it, then there was going to be a moment of reckoning. I reckoned that he had lay a belt across my butt. Now, I grew up with old school parents and they disciplined me in old school manners. It was not like it is today. When daddy gave instructions and I didn't follow those instructions, life would become difficult. However, when I did follow those instructions, I received his praises and rewards. Our Heavenly Father works the same way. By the way, when those people in Joel followed God's instructions, he did exactly as he promised he would do. Just something to think about. In case some of you are thinking we're under a whole new covenant and there is no need to obey strict instructions, I'd like to point out a few things in the new covenant. Book of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning, does that sound familiar? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Then John 1, verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory, glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John is talking about Jesus, the Son, who was with God and was God from the very beginning. What did the Son of God say? John chapter 14:15 If you love me you will keep my commandments. Is something to think about. Did God mean what he said? I believe that what God said were commandments. They were not suggestions. I am the old watchman Ezekiel. I love you. God loves you. God meant what he said. And you have been warned well that's all for now I thank you for your time and participation our time together is precious to me please come and visit me at the oldwatchman.com for show notes, articles, video content, book reviews Bible study material reviews and Bible study methods It's my hope and prayer that you get to know me through this podcast. Through the website at theoldwatchman.com, I can get to know you. If you like the content, consider following The Old Watchman on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. See you next time. May nothing in your life be missing. Nothing in your life be broken. Shalom.